You know, one of the most frustrating things for a leader has to be your team doesn't even listen to you. Like you feel like everything you say gets ignored or they don't follow through exactly on what you're talking about. And that can really drain your ability to want to continue that mental drain as a leader that you have when you feel like you're on this hamster wheel of getting nowhere, like you're talking to yourself. But maybe it's time you have some some inward reflection on maybe it's you because if you feel like your entire team really isn't listening to you, there's one common denominator, but there's an easier way to fix it. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. You found the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk about all things leadership because leadership isn't just what you do, it's who you are. So we help to make you a better leader, help keep your sanity, and make your team better so you make more money. So every week we talk about a different topic that helps you do all those things. So hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Tell all your colleagues and friends, and let's get a discussion going on how we can grow together as better leaders. Hey, welcome back to the Leadership Lifestyle. I hope you had a great week since last week, I want to talk to you about why you feel like, or maybe it's just true that people aren't listening to you. Why don't people want to listen to their managers? So not only am I going to go through that because you know I'm not going to give you a podcast that's just all negative. I'm going to give you a four-step framework here when I'm done talking about what you can do to get better at that. But if you're in that mode where you really feel like nobody's listening to you or you're not getting anywhere... Maybe you should look into some of these things and ask yourself, Is it? am I doing this? Is there something related to some of these things I'm going to share to you that it's you? And what could you get better at? It might not even be something you're legitimately trying to do bad or wrong. It just may be something you don't even notice. So let's talk about micromanaging mayhem. It reminds me of a story, manager named Mike, who was known as the micromanager maestro. He would hover over employees like a helicopter, dictating the number of paper clips they could use, all of that. And one day he decided to micromanage Sarah's coffee making process, two cubes of sugar, not three, and stir it 17 times clockwise. Well, Sarah had enough. She handed him a toy helicopter and said, since you love hovering over me so much, why don't you play with this instead? Now, That might sound like an extreme example of that, but think about what are you not allowing your people to do? What kind of decisions? They're grown adults, and I get it. You're you're leading a, a team, a department, a division. You're responsible for everything that happens. I get it. But when you constantly put this kind of thought into everyday life, they're going to stop making decisions. They're going to wait for you to make one. And there is no way that you can keep up with that. No way you can make every decision. You can't be there enough to guide them. So how much are you micromanaging? How much are you delegating? And are you delegating the right way? Meaning, are you delegating things to people that they're good at, that they're This is what they gravitate toward, the type of work. Are you delegating things you just don't like, even though it's something you have to do? You have to examine all of that because all of that plays into the micromanaging type thing. So that's number one. Number two, lack of transparency. So listen to this story. Tina was a, she was as transparent as a brick wall. 
She held secret meetings and made decisions without consulting her team. One day she announced a new project but refused to share any details. So curious, Carl couldn't take it anymore. He dressed up as Sherlock Holmes, complete with a magnifying glass, and started investigating. When Tina said, what are you doing? He just said, I'm just trying to see through the mystery. And here's the thing about transparency. I know, again, it's a one-off extreme story, but an extreme response. And I guarantee you, this is in some form or fashion has played out where it's so egregious as far as her behavior as a leader that somebody would be as obnoxious in their response. But when you don't have any transparency... In other words, your team doesn't have the information to know what's true, to know what's really happening. I promise you that void is always filled with negativity. It's always filled with what's not true or the worst option, all of that, because the mind is it just goes off to the races and and, and the imagination and all that. Everybody has to assume the worst. And if you aren't transparent, if you think, well, I can't tell them everything because I I have to know more than them or things like that. Now, granted, there is a way to do that. In other words, you can't, if you're frustrated, okay, you can't dump on your team. They're supposed to be coming to you. So you have to find mentors above you, people who can help you. So you can't be like uh, overboard transparent where you're sharing every little thing. But when it comes to what affects them, they have to have that information. And if they don't have it, they're not going to be able to make good decisions. They're not going to think positively about their workday. They have to assume the worst is coming. So don't have a lack of transparency. The next thing is being inconsistent. People never knowing what they're going to get. So let's talk about manager Bob. Constantly inconsistent Monday, casual wear is is fine. Tuesday, why isn't everybody in a suit? You you know this person. And this is the classic, you know, you go to this person with a problem and they respond so overboard, you don't want to go to them with a problem. Or look at it this way. Why on earth would you pay your people to guess on what's important, on what's needed, what's necessary? Why would you do that? You have so many things to get done. You hired so many good people to do the right things. It doesn't even make sense when I'm saying it. But I want you to really sit with that for a minute. Like really think about what I just said as far as are you paying your people to guess what's next? Now, this example, it's about what to where to work and it might not be that big a deal. But you got to remember It's the steady diet of things that people get that form their opinions about you. Every little interaction, as little as it seems, you're either building or breaking trust with someone. So even the little stuff like this, which doesn't necessarily mean what's going on with work or some project you're working on is, you know, compared to what they're wearing. But it it starts creating that seed of doubt. And again, that steady diet of behavior is what really guides your team and what their expectations are. And something as little as this, being inconsistent with the little things, really leads to being inconsistent with the big things because your people don't know what to do and you're going to pay them to guess. And they're always going to guess wrong. You would too if you don't have the information.
Now, another thing definitely is poor communication, which you think would stand on its own. But there's actually poor communication. People automatically think of just getting the wrong information, but that's not always true. But let's look at this example. So this manager named Sue had a knack for vague emails, confusing instructions, just do the thing with the stuff. All of that, you know, that kind of rhetoric or that kind of lack of direction. Her office is filled with random stuff. It doesn't even make sense. Like her entire persona is about randomness. But let me tell you a quick story about poor communication, which on the surface you think was very direct. So I've been married for over 32 years. And so I got married when I was really young. I just turned 21. And apparently, the, the priest could pick up on the fact that I was a youngster and not really knowing much in the world. So he was really adamant about the fact of where I needed to stand at at what time. So he kept, during the rehearsal, he kept pointing to this point right near the altar, 6 p.m., this is where you're going to be. Got it? You know, looking at me like, you know, I'm, my head's full of rocks or whatever. And he repeated over and over and over. Well, I had never been to a formal wedding before that. I didn't know anything about etiquette. I didn't know anything about doing anything other than showing up. So guess what? At 5.55 p.m., I rolled right in and everybody was freaking out. Like, did I, am I going to stand her up? Am I not coming? All the guests are there. I, I distinctly remember pulling into the church parking lot going, wow, there's a lot of cars here open the church doors like I was some big shot and everybody like spun around and looked at me like, where have you been? I had like no concept of what I, what I really needed to do. So even in direct, you know, when you think you're being super direct, when you think you are clear as day, even then sometimes it doesn't make sense. So really examine your communication with people. Do, are they really getting what they need to get in order to do what they need to do. So really examine that. And the fifth thing is no recognition. And I know this gets talked about a lot and people think, well, this should be a slam dunk. If you recognize people, it'll light them up and turn them on. And a lot of people don't do it, but I think here's where we miss the boat in, in overall business is that on a higher level, there's a lack of recognition, I think, for a lot of managers and leaders because they're managers and leaders. They should just do stuff and, and all of that. So when you think about uh, this story here about Dan, who's a manager, never acknowledged good work ever. He took the credit, handed out blame like candy. And uh, one of his workers, Tim, decided to host an unaward ceremony complete with the worst manager trophies. And when Dan asked what was going on, Tim said, we're just recognizing the unrecognized talents. And obviously there's a lot of animosity there from Tim, but it doesn't even have to be as overboard as that. Although I think we all can point to somebody in our life, some manager that never recognized anybody, took all the credit, but boy, was right there on the spot when something went wrong. I, I know we know all that. You know, somebody in your life that's like that, but the thing about recognition, though, is it can also be kind of fluffy when you think about 
how you recognize it. Is it specific? Does it mean something? Is it tied to a behavior you want repeated? Because you can basically just try to make people feel better by saying, great job team. But if they don't know what what happened, then it's really kind of empty. It's really kind of shallow. And they don't know why, why they're being thanked. Or more importantly, what is it they need to repeat in order to, you know, they like getting recognition, but what you need as a manager is things done and those behaviors that go with that. So if you're not recognizing that, you're not going to get more of that. You as a manager are always going to get what you recognize. So if you're recognizing bad behavior constantly, and this is what a lot of managers do is don't do this, don't do that. You're going to actually get more of that. It, it sounds counterintuitive because you're thinking, well, if I tell them not to do something, maybe they'll stop. But that's what they're going to be thinking about. They're not going to be thinking about, oh, what do we do? And if you start recognizing the behaviors you want to see, you're going to see a big change with that. So if you're really struggling with a lot of that, so kind of recapping that when you think about, are you micromanaging too much? Are you really transparent? How consistent are you? What's your communication like? And how's your recognition program? If you've examined all of that, then maybe you can kind of make a checklist of what you're good at, what you're not good at, and kind of come up with some some areas you can fill some gaps. So let me help you out with that. So when you think about open communication, do you create an environment where team members really feel comfortable sharing ideas and concerns with you? Like you're really open to that. And I'm not talking about a gripe session. I'm talking about your team, like you have already laid out what winning is, like what is important. And they understand that. And number two, they understand what behaviors need to go with that in order to achieve whatever goals you guys are working on. So you think about daily behavior and behaviors and decisions. Do they know what those are and they're doing them? So once you've established that, now the communication's got to revolve around that. And it's got to be okay with them to, to question things. It's got to be okay with them to bring you not so great news and you accept that. So number two, your consistency in your actions and decisions. Here's the thing. like You say, well, we want to be predictable. You are whether you think you are or not. Because if I go to any team member on your team and I just simply do the, this easy test, tell me the two or three things you always think of when you see this person walk in the room. And they're going to give me an answer. The question is, what kind of answer are they going to give me? So that is all related to how you behave day in and day out. It's like your reputation shows up before you do. So, and you have that too. You, you know, people who come into work or whatever, come into your office and you already have it in your mind, who they are, how they act, what they want. Well, that's what you have. But the more consistent you build yourself, the better and more efficient your team is going to be. And if you're thinking, well, where do I start with that? We'll start with what are the daily behaviors that your team should be working on? What's your strategy on how you treat each other, treat a problem, treat a customer, treat the product, whatever that is, and always live there and be consistent with that. Number three, empowerment. Give your team the autonomy to make decisions and take ownership of their tasks. Now, this is a little bit, it's like delegating, but it's a little more specific. 
because this is where you really build trust. Like you know who's capable of what. So when things go wrong, if they go wrong and inevitably something will go wrong, you'll say, wow, that's not really like that person because you've empowered them all this time to go do the things they need to do because you've given them the training they need, you've given them the feedback they need, and they can do the job they need to do. And that should make your team stronger because if you have the open communication, the consistency, and you've given people the empowerment to do things, they're going to be way more productive. They're going to get more stuff done. They're going to collaborate better, all of that. And then the way you tie this all together is step four, through recognition. And again, it's like the recognition has to be specific to a behavior of what they've done. Now, you think like a, an awards ceremony for how you know somebody's been with the company 10 years, 20 years. Okay, well, that's what you're recognizing. They've been there long. But again, you can't just say so-and-so is great or, you know, it, it really has to be tied to what did they do? And kind of back that up to, well, what is it that needs to be done on your team? Again, you've defined winning. You've defined what daily behaviors and decisions need to happen in order for the team to succeed. And are they doing that? And when you start recognizing that, that's what people gravitate toward. It's not the other way around. And I think as leaders and managers, we're so focused on making sure everybody's doing the right thing and nobody's doing the wrong thing that it's easier to focus on the wrong thing. And when you constantly put that out there, that steady diet, that's how they're going to feel about their jobs. And what's interesting is when you really focus on the behaviors you want and constantly recognize them and reinforce them, those bad habits and behaviors kind of start to disappear on their own. So don't be afraid to say, well, I want to make sure that I'm in control and people aren't doing it. I'm telling you, do that quietly. It's kind of the reverse. You know, when you think about, you know, correcting in private, but praising in public, why, why we need to do that more. But when we do it in private, it means just that person or whatever that behavior was, not the team. Team didn't do it. That person did it. So use your recognition to really move your team forward, not just to make people feel better, but to reinforce what they should be doing and what is winning. And the fact that what they're doing creates that winning. They see that connection. That's what will really ignite your team to want to do more. So if you feel like your team's not really listening to you, you feel like you're really not getting anywhere. These are the four things you really got to zero in on. Work on your open communication, work on your consistency, work on your empowerment, and definitely get clear about your recognition. And you'll find your team will start listening to you. So what did we learn today? How did you grow just a little bit? Or more importantly, how can you help someone else grow? That's the whole point of Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, hit that subscribe button. Tell all your colleagues and friends and neighbors all about the show. Give us comments, feedback, things like that. We will grow together and we will see you next week on the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast.